The Man in Line, brought to you by NetZeroMatrix.com, the Isle of Man's main Net Zero progress website. Faster my good afternoon. It's just gone midday and it is Tuesday. No, what day is it? Is it Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday the 24th of January. And it's Beth sitting in for Andy again this week on The Man in Line. And for the next hour, it's all about you. Whatever is on your mind this lunchtime, 66 13 68 is the number to call. We've just been hearing about the Villa Marina being more than £250,000 over budget. Any thoughts on that? What about any issues with cleanliness and hygiene at GP surgeries near you? Or cybercrime, have you ever received a scam email or would you know what to do if you did? Perhaps though there's something else entirely you'd like to talk about, it would be great to talk to you and Chris Quirk is ready to speak to you if you call or 166177 or you can email studio at manxradio.com. We are on WhatsApp as well, 07624 Uh, First of all, just had a message from Eric saying, as you talked about your husband last week, can you settle an argument? When was Dan doing the man in line? I say 25 years ago my brother says 10 um it was actually 2005 it was talking heads back then 2005 to 2007 or 2008 i think it was not quite 25 years ago we also had a question last week about where the money generated from plastic bag sales goes to. I uh, have had a response from government and they say government does not raise any charge or tax relating to the sale of plastic bags. Some retailers voluntarily make a charge and they will have their own policies. So hope that answers that question for you there. Man and Line Answer Machine is available 24 hours a day, 682631. That's the number to call. You can leave a message. It's great to play those messages out on air. There's been a lot of talk recently about accommodation for key workers. And in response to that, we have this message on the answer phone. Hello, this is Cherry. When we came to the Isle of Man in 1986, my husband had got a job as a senior tutor at the hospital. And at that time, anybody who came over as key workers, i.e. doctors, nurses, firemen, anybody in a professional position were given key worker houses when they arrived. Strand Close was one of the places where we lived and the other places that people had were in Risperool Estate. So if they had key worker houses now, I'm sure there would be more doctors and nurses, dentists, etc. coming over because you can't find somewhere to live straight away when you come over. We got the job in the December and we were here for the February. Thank you. Well, thank you very much indeed, Cherry, for that message. Interesting how things were handled back then. Any other thoughts on that? Had a message from Gordon to say, I've heard a couple of comments recently on Man in Line regarding people not meeting the required O-level qualifications or that they sat them many years ago. There was a lady yesterday who'd been a teacher for many years but couldn't find the certificates. Surely, says Gordon, her record proves she's qualified. I had a similar problem when I returned to the island. I left school at 14 without any qualifications. I joined the RAF, spent 22 years reaching senior NCO rank. I served with NATO and was involved 
in the introduction of a NATO-wide computer system. However, all this wasn't sufficient, says Gordon, for the Isle of Man government, as I didn't have four O-levels. The government needs to be more flexible. Ironically, says Gordon, when I started my own business, I was approached by the same person who turned my application down and was asked if I would offer a discount for government employees. Guess what my reply was? Really interesting point there. Uh, Thank you very much indeed, Gordon. And I have messaged the uh, government actually to see what the policy is if somebody can't find their certificates. And I'm desperately trying to think now if I would be able to ever find my certificates if I needed them. Let's go to the lines, though, and we can join Julian. Good afternoon. Hi, Beth. Yeah, it's funny you should say what day is it? Uh, Tuesday. You just um, it, it, Time's moving so fast these days, it's, uh, it's hard to tell which day it is, really. It's weird, isn't it? Um, what are they, what's that song? Time's like a jet plane or something, isn't it? I know. I mean, it's, it's a couple of days. I think it's Thursday that uh, the assisted dying bill is having its first reading. Um, speaking of which, um, there's a recent story on the BBC, dead easy to find. Um, it's called DNR. If you just look for DNR BBC... Um, it's a story about Marie McLean, a 63-year-old asthmatic from Airdrie in Lanarkshire. And she was rendered unconscious by an asthma attack. And after she woke up in hospital, she and her friend discovered that a do-not-resuscitate order had been placed on her medical records without any discussion with medical staff at the Airdrie um, NHS hospital. It just makes you wonder how many unsuspecting patients have got a DNA, DNR um, order on their records because they had no idea until it, it just so happened that they got a glimpse at it. I think as far as I'm aware, Julian, and again, I, I, as I say, I do stand to be corrected, but that is a conversation that is had with people by a medical professional. Um, it is something that somebody has to agree to before it is put on their records. And I'm talking from personal experience with a family member here, but um, I'm just looking at that story that you refer to, and it is on the BBC. Um, so, yes, I'll have to have a closer look at that one. Yeah, and actually, I've got personal experience of somebody in Lincolnshire as well who had the same thing, um, and they found out about it. That was about, that was just around early 2020, I think. Um, so, I don't know, but um, perhaps it, people need to have a little look at their own medical records just to satisfy themselves that something hasn't been put on by accident or something. Um, my primary thing today is to talk about crickets, as in the insects, uh, specifically house crickets. And there's a name you might want to write down, and you'll see why in a minute. The Latin name for it is called Aceta domesticus, A-C-H-E-T-A. Um, now, a recent research paper from the Paul Ehrlich Institute in Germany, um, who collaborated with the Department of Biotechnology in the University of Verona in Italy, Um, has found that eating edible crickets can cause severe allergic reactions in people sensitive to seafood and crustaceans. And up to now, there's been very little research on allergy to eating insects, and all of the studies have had less than 20 participants. But this new research paper's conclusion is, and I'll quote directly from it, ingestion of Aceta domesticus, or house cricket proteins, poses serious concerns to the crustacean-allergic population. Now, the reason I'm saying this today is that today, EU regulation, and you might want to write this down to have a little look at it, dead easy to find, EU regulation 2023-5 will come into effect uh, following its signing by Ursula von der Leyen, who's the uh, EU Commission President and Senior Member of the Board of Trustees at the World Economic Forum. Um, This new regulation will license a Vietnamese company called Cricket One Asia to supply powdered cricket to food manufacturers in the EU. 
Now, Cricket One Asia has had massive funding, but the identity of the funders uh, remains hidden on all your usual things like Crunchbase. It's hidden, whoever's sending these seven, eight-figure numbers to them. Anyway, um, interestingly, paragraph seven of the regulation lists the products that can contain cricket powder. And this starts today, so production will possibly include this. Um, You're looking at multigrain bread and rolls, crackers and breadsticks, cereal bars, baking products, biscuits, pasta products, sauces, vegetable-based dishes, pizza meat analogues, soups and soup concentrates or powders, beer-like beverages, chocolate confectionery, that's a bad one, uh, nuts and oil seeds, snacks and meat preparations intended for the general population. Um, paragraphs 9 and 10 deal with allergies, but it's unclear what if any warnings will be printed on it, including warnings for vegetarians and vegans. So anytime soon, it may be best to look for Aketa Domesticus on the ingredients panel on the back. Interesting, Julian. I suppose, again, this goes back to people taking personal responsibility for being aware of what they're consuming. Uh, again, I'm going to have to put my hands up here. It's not a subject that I'm completely familiar with, but it'd be interesting if we could find out anything about it. But the thought of eating crickets, I suppose, not not terribly pleasant. Well, it's sort of being slid in, I suppose. I mean, you know, who knows? A couple of years from now, they may say, well, you know, you've been eating crickets for several years now because you never looked at the panel on the back. Um, but this uh, report um, is worried about cross-reactivity with other allergens that you might inhale as well, like dust mites, because they also contain chitin, which is the armour on the outside of the insect, which is uh, very similar to what you get on the armour on shrimps and, and crabs and things. So there's that side of it. Um, the other report that I looked at was also critical of making crickets into a main meal, And the reason for that is they lack uh, two essential amino acids, which are called tryptophan and lysine. Now, tryptophan, you only really get in turkey, chicken, eggs and cheese. um, But you also need vitamins B6 and 12, which is meat, to metabolize it. Now, that's important for immune response. And it has been implicated that if you don't have any tryptophan, you get depressed. Um, And lysine comes from red meat, fish and yogurt. Um, And that's being used at the moment for the treatment of cold sores. And there's a couple of interesting research papers um, that seem to show that it prevents shingles and coronaviruses as well. So if if they do start to use crickets as a main sort of food source, there are two very important amino acids that you get from what we normally eat that aren't present in those. And that is in the peer-reviewed literature. So that's something to think about if people start getting pushed into having cricket-only meals and things. I mean, I don't don't even know where to go with that one, Julian. No, I understand what you're saying. And I suppose some people say that's just not cricket. Um, But thank you very much indeed for that. It is one that I'm going to look into, see if I can find out any information on that. Thank you as ever to Julian. It sounds like an episode of I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here so far this lunchtime. 17 minutes past 12, 66 13 68 is the number to call if you'd like to get in touch or you can text 166 or studio at manxradio.com if you want to send an email. Uh, now there's one here from Crystal to say, is there any reply from the fire service regarding EV vehicle fire extinguisher times and water usage per fire? Also, can the DOI assure us that these heavily weighted forms of transport are not going to subsidise 
uh, our roads or our homes not so eco if we don't have enough power supply to feed these Trojan horses who here will scrap their lithium batteries. Think we are being conned into buying. I, for one, will get my saddlebags out before ever owning an EV. Thanks very much indeed, Crystal. I have been in touch, as I said last week, uh, to see if we can do an interview with the fire service about the extinguishing of EV fires. So I think that is an interesting one. And I'm promised that uh, there will be a reply coming from that shortly. Um, the other questions also interesting as well. So we will see what response we get to those. 18 minutes past 12 now. The Man in Line, brought to you by NetZeroMatrix.com, providing a citizen central forum to ensure that your voices are heard. It is 21 minutes past 12. Lovely to have your company this lunchtime. 66 13 68 is the number if you'd like to talk about anything on air. Something that was raised in the House of Keys this morning was from the Education, Sport and Culture Minister who revealed the Villa Marina complex was running substantially over budget as of the end of 2022. Julie Edge was questioned in Keys as to why this may be the case and how the venue can remain cost-effective for the future. At the end of December 2022, the Villa Gatey was over budget against entertainment by £266,696, which is a smaller loss than that of 2020. question, Mr Moorhouse. In terms of success and failures, we've got a declining cost, which is good. In terms of the success, the Minister able to suggest where... We really, make, we really have successes. I know it's a very blunt tool, but you can possibly say the three areas where we had profits and the three areas that were causing potential concerns in terms of losses. Is she able to provide that overview? Out of the total 15 acts, 10 turned over a profit, meaning that five <coughs> made a loss. A factor towards this was the number of shows carried over from the previous years, which had to be slotted into dates available to both the venue and artist. These were carryovers from the COVID period, so um, it's perhaps not a good year to, to be doing any, any of these comparisons. But this has meant that some prime and or more suitable dates for the type of show were already booked, so that could have been in, uh, perhaps an impact on these shows. question, Mr Wallenberg. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Does the Minister recognise the um, importance of local promoters to the calendar of events in the, in the Gaiety Theatre? And is she satisfied that the terms and conditions for those local promoters are enough for them to be working with, or should they be improved and reviewed? Mr. Reply. The offering that um, is available at the Villa Gaty, I think, is really important to the island. It's its culture, it's our arts, and it also is an attraction for the viability of the island to put on these events. Um, with regards to, to the terms and conditions, obviously, um, these, these <coughs> have been reviewed recently and um, up, updated, um, but uh, my view of any of this is it should be for the benefit of the island, for the people of the island, so that they have excellent access to facilities on island. That's the Education, Sport and Culture Minister Julie Edge speaking in the House of Keys today. So just over £266,000 over budget. That's where the Villa Marina complex was running at the end of 2022. 
Julie Edge did mention the carryover of some of the shows from COVID that couldn't uh, go ahead during that period, but then uh, went ahead last year. I think there is still at least one show that's going to be taking place this year that was actually supposed to be during that uh, 2020 time frame. So what do you think? Is it worth having the Villa Marina, even if it is running at that over budget level? The culture and arts, how important are they to you? Uh, what are your thoughts on that one? Adrian says, I would question Julie Edge's comparison to the villa in 2020. During COVID, you can expect issues with income, but in a normal 2022, they should not be losing money. Does the villa have a KPI for filling seats and booking acts? Well, I suppose, as we say, some of the, the carryover of shows, maybe that uh, could explain some of it. But um, yeah, interested in your thoughts on that one. Um, thank you very much for your message, Fran. I don't think so, is the answer. Uh, TJ has been in touch again about assisted dining, acknowledging that many views are about on this at the moment. Why make it complicated and uh, suggest that maybe people can take care of things themselves? Uh, Sue says regarding assisted death, they introduced it in Canada for strictly end-of-life care patients. Now they provide the service for all sorts of people, young, old, people with depression, physical disabilities. I think they're, they're drawing a line on that at the moment because they were looking further into that but long covid and age concerns says sue where does their line lie what about a doctor's hippocratic oath do no harm we introduce assisted suicide at our peril says sue they'll open it wide and make the poor feel obligated into dying it is no good let's go to the lines now though and uh, we can join oh, I think I've just unfortunately accidentally hung up on Mark there so sorry about that Mark if you call back uh, we'll come to you very shortly um, text here regarding registration plates and data taken at the ferry why are our roads flooded by stayover vehicles which haven't registered here and paying Manx road tax uh, are they one way or do they have return tickets it should be easy to control this illegal and road tax losing issue. Uh, let's go to the lines now. Mark? Beth, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm so sorry for cutting you off there. Oh, don't worry, Beth. I've been cut off by, by more people than you can imagine over the years. I'm sure there's a story there somewhere, but what would you like not to talk for, about? Not for air, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> right. I would like to have a little bit of a moan about the, what you were talking about at the Villa Marina a minute ago. Okay. Uh, now, you must have noticed, I and mean, the chances are you've probably been to see some of the artists we've had over in the last couple of years. You know, and I'm thinking the likes of James Blunt and Texas and uh, the Lightning Seeds you know, and things like that. They've been sellouts. But have you noticed that when they've announced their tours for this year, they don't include the Isle of Man in any of them? Okay. And do you know the reason for that? Is because they don't make any money when they come here. And a lot of the problem that you've got there is the steam packet charge so much money to bring a, a truck over. I mean, I know a lot of these these artists. I mean, I'll give you a, a quick example. Texas. Texas, when they tour the UK, they take two articulated lorries. When they came to the Isle of Man, they brought a box van. So basically, they were slimming down what they were going to put on the stage. But it still cost them nearly £3,000 to bring that box van to the Isle of Man. Now, if you put that into context with um, how many t people are going to buy the tickets, you're going to have to charge an enormous amount of money per ticket, so it's not worth them coming. Okay. I think, again, we should probably say we haven't uh, given the Steam Packet their chance to reply to this or give us their side of the story. Is this something you know for certain, Mark? Yes, yes, 
yes, because um, um, my son, we used to be, uh, he used to put dance nights on at the Villa Marina. Um, he used to bring some of the biggest DJs on the planet over. And it didn't, it, because it's a DJ, they basically arrive with just two boxes of records. I mean, we're, you know, we're going back to record days here, Beth. You know, everything's done digitally today. But we're going back to the the late, uh, early, late, mid to late 90s. And these events at the Villa Marina, we're talking 12 to 1,500 people every single time. But when he got in touch with the Steam Packer to say he was going to bring a band, that, I, that, I don't know if you've heard them call the Ting Tings, he was uh, approached by the manager of the Ting Tings to say, we, would you like him to, to bring them to the Isle of Man? He was, this is going back to the mid, mid to late 90s. He was quoted £2,000 for them to bring a box van over. Now, we're talking 10, 15, 20 years later, you're looking at £3,000 at least. It just doesn't pay. The Steam Packet needs to offer an incentive to bring acts over. If they can do that, we would get lots and lots more acts over here. It's an interesting point, isn't it? I mean, at the end of the day, I think it should be said that there is a cost to the Steam Packet and they have to to make money. That's, you know, we have to acknowledge that side of it. And I suppose travel for everybody has gone up, hasn't it? I mean, the costs are, are rising generally a- across the field. Of course it is, Beth. I don't dispute that for one second. But the steam pack is owned by the government. If the government can give grants left, right and centre to people to build on brownfield sites and uh, building companies to start up left, right and centre, surely they can do something with the steam packet to say, look, we're not doing an awful lot over here to entertain people. There's not a lot for people to do. There's not a lot for people to go and see. Uh, people still, a, a friend of mine the other day, he got tickets to go and see Rammstein in Germany. Now, this is going to cost him just over £1,000 to get there and back and see the band. But it's like he said, it's worth every penny to see a band like that, and he would travel anywhere. Now, if we could make it cheaper to bring a band to the Isle of Man, you know, I'm not talking about, uh, you know, superstar bands like Metallica or ACDC. I mean, they're way beyond our budgets over here. But, you know, smaller groups, you know, like, um, I don't know, just a smaller band. You know, somebody's just be, just getting into the charts now and they want to get as much publicity as they possibly can. They'll go anywhere for it, but they need to be encouraged to come here. And the only way they could do that um, is if the Steam Packers said, right, you're coming to the Isle of Man, or sorry, the Isle of Man government said, right, you're coming to the Isle of Man, you're going to entertain our people, you're going to put on a show for our people, we will help you to come here. Okay, I think it's an interesting point, Mark, and it's one where let's let's put it to them and see what, see what they say. All right, Beth, you take care. Thank you, you too. Take care, Bye-bye. Mark. Uh, 66 13 68 is the number to call we can go uh, to the lines now and I'm going to try desperately not to cut off Bonzo I think he's there Bonzo how are you doing? Yes yes I'm here Beth yes um, yes uh, expanding on Mark's um, comments yes on, on the gaiety and um, and touring um, yes the, 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 the steam packet it, it um, is a major barrier, although it, um, you know, it must be, be remembered that the villa does have an in-house PA system, so you're not dragging you know, a fair amount of that along with you. Although you'd be talking about the, um, you know, the, the what's termed the back line, you know, your, your normal amp and your normal um, drum kit and, and and whatever, and some lighting rig. Um, 
you know, that, that you'd be bringing. So the actual amount of kit you may need to bring over might be um, you know, somewhat lower than in a, a usual uh, situation in, in UK or in Europe because of the fact that some of the equipment is already there in situ. Um, but the thing is, uh, with the steam pack, it, it, it goes to a broader question um, of what the steam packet is there for now, because we own it. Mm. Um, although, but it has to be operated as a, uh, a company at arm's length. It has to be operated on strictly commercial lines. And no lifeline service anywhere is operated on commercial lines. Um, so you, you have um, issues of uh, not simply uh, concerts and, and, and whatever, but you also have the basics of freight costs for business. Um, and that was one of the drivers behind the uh, well, uh, why we don't make films here very much anymore. Because those costs, when you're talking about 3000 4000 5000 to bring a truck uh, with a film production, that's five trucks. And going back and forth and then stuff. Yeah, it, it just makes it prohibitively expensive to do. And so much more is prohibitively expensive to do because of this basic of the freight charging. And also when we're talking about the expansion of, of tourism or the regeneration of tourism, people aren't going to pay 500 quid to bring themselves in a car uh, over to the island on the boat um, when they can go somewhere else, get a cheap flight and um, sit, um, sit around Tenerife for that kind of money. I mean, this is the interesting catch-22, isn't it? And this is something that started, you know, obviously we've, we've all seen the photographs of Douglas Beach absolutely thronging with tourists, but it was that that beach holiday further afield for, for much less money which, which drew those people away. And if you haven't got the people coming over here, then, of course, it's going to be more expensive and, and the cycle goes on. Well, absolutely. And so you have to operate the steam packet, and I do hope that proposals will come um, on this in the forthcoming budget next month, that the steam packet is actually operated as a lifeline service and is operated as a subsidised service so that prices can come down for um, local people as well as for tourists uh, coming over and of course for local businesses and freight to to, uh, operate because we're going to have this new boat which is what I think a third greater capacity Mm -hmm. and that's got to be filled somehow Um, and that's not going to be filled at 500 quid a car Interesting point there, Bonzo. I think there's some uh, very interesting points here that we can raise and explore. Thank you very much as ever for getting in touch. Okay. Speak to you soon. Take care, Bonzo. Uh, 661368, just listening to Bonzo and Mark before that. Is there anything that you'd like to add to that conversation? Let's take some of your texts and emails before we take a short break. Des says, you have to eat insects because windmills and solar panels need our farming land. New Manx Ferry, we've booked a trip away and are coming back, says Texter 253, in June when the new ferry is operational. We wanted a cabin and were told, sorry, we can't do that as we don't know how many cabins there will be. Really? The company's spending millions on a new ship and they don't know how many cabins there are on board? 
The Isle of Man should note the problems Germany, Denmark and Spain are having with disposing of tens of thousands of end-of-life wind turbines. That's from G. Eric says, you mentioned the villa going over budget. The management overordered the beer stock, which goes out of date, according to Eric. The government auditor needs to look into this waste and determine why it has been overordered. Is that something you know for certain there, Eric? Tony says, I've been quite poorly lately. It's not looking good, so I'm in and out of hospital. Regarding assisted dying, my life is my life, not perfect, but I still have my family, so they better not do an assisted suicide on me. I don't agree. Imagine having to state your case for life with a death panel. John's been back in touch asking about the timetable for the railways. It's still only showing opening the 10th of March for the railways, but there's no timetable. Any news? No, John, but I'm honestly going to do my best to get that answer for you because you've been asking for a little while now. Um, Regarding the Peggy, says Texter ending 505, could we not set the Peggy in a big tub of formaldehyde? This would preserve it indefinitely and would cost around £100,000 or so. Uh, rather than the £5 million. We could have it lit up on display during the summer and a simple shed casing it up for the winter. Dick's been in touch to say, last week we heard Paul Moore, Manx Care's Director of Nursing, questioning the credibility of the Care Quality Commissioner and their assessment of how poor our health service and how much worse it had become in the past two years since we've had Manx Care. This morning on breakfast, he's saying cleanliness should be a priority and agrees with the CQC that they need to replace a carpet and a couple of taps in a doctor's surgery. How come one one week he thinks they're qualified and the next they're not? Or instead of paying another fortune to another consultancy, Manx Care's highly paid directors uh, should have already been looking at the cleanliness of everywhere themselves, not waiting again for another report. It just shows, according to Dick, how out of touch the Board of Manx Care is and shows we need a bit of a clear out at first. Well done on Mark for speaking the truth about how expensive it is for artists to get to the island if they require anything more than a car. It's time the steam packet had a look at how they can help rather than hinder. Having a government-owned monopoly must allow some leverage at price control. Uh, Beth, in answer to Mark regarding the steam packet, how about stopping the free travel for MHKs, both past and present, then that money could subsidise bans coming over? I'm not convinced that MHKs get uh, free travel. We see their travel expenses posted when they go on trips, so uh, I don't think that's a completely valid comment. Um, And Sue says, people like Sue don't seem to realise that assisted dying won't be available on demand. There will be a system in place which might actually save people who are suicidal by catching them before they do it and getting them the help they need to carry on living. Also, quite a few older people do not want to be drugged up zombies lying for years in a care home. Finally, do no harm can include not forcing someone to endure a traumatic death that is harmful. 166-177, studio at manxradio.com or 66-1368 if you'd like to give me a call. Taking your GCSEs this year or a mature student looking at your next step? University College Isle of Man is holding its next open morning on Saturday 11th of February between 10am to 1pm. Visit our Homefield Road campus to learn all about our range of courses and subjects. Chat to our lecturers and see our fantastic facilities. Visit ucm.ac.im for more information. When you need a fitting memorial or headstone for a loved one, contact Manx Memorials in Peel. This long-standing family-run Manx company offer a wide range of granite and marble headstones and memorials, along with an island-wide inscription and renovation service. 
Manx Memorial's skilled professionals will take the time to help you choose a suitable memorial, and we're proud to say we'll beat other local quotes. Call 843861 or email matthew at manxmemorials.co.uk. At Isle of Man Energy, we want to support our customers as much as we can during the cost of living crisis. If you're a vulnerable customer, we can add you to our priority care scheme and assist you with safety checks, prioritising call-outs and energy-saving advice. We can also offer support, such as payment plans, to help spread the cost of your winter bills. For more information or to register for priority care, Call our team on 644-444. Isle of Man Energy. Energy for every generation. It's time to prepare for winter at Pasco's of Tremode, where you'll find a toasty range of winter electricals, including tumble dryers, heaters and electric blankets. Pasco's of Tremode is open Monday to Friday and all day on Saturday. And for helpful, friendly advice and superb customer service, call 676066. Stay cool, keep warm with great deals on winter electricals at Pasco's of Tremode, the island's premier electrical appliance retailer. When the man in line's not on air, call Manx Radio to leave your opinion for broadcast on 682 631. The Man in Line, brought to you by NetZeroMatrix.com. Helping Isle of Man companies and citizens to understand net zero targets and a green future. 12.41, this is The Man in Line. It's Beth sitting in for Andy this week. He's just on holiday. Normal service will be resumed next Monday. A text at for ending 223 says Bonzo mentioned the Isle of Man steam packet new boat we will have three passenger boats soon but I've been told the passenger number capacity across the fleet won't change or increase also why are the Irish sailings all at stupid o'clock even with extra boats and new timetables the Irish boats sail at 2am well, as far as I understand it the Ben McCree is going to be taking over from the MV Arrow so that will be taking on freight duties cabins on the new boat can be added on now says Andrew if you go into your booking online you'll be able to add them if there is availability. David says, I took in several items yesterday to the weapons amnesty. It was easy, no questions asked, a good step. Uh, Tony, it is your body and no one will be allowed to force you into assisted dying. Personal choice is the whole point. People have some weird idea about how assisted dying works. Text ending 223, did you know that if government clamped down on the construction contractors here who only employ staff as self-employed instead of on the books, an extra £6 million would be collected in NI contributions? Then text ending 600 says, we have a new boat. We can all help to make like new our island. Let's look after it and ask whether harvesting people to plane spray their... Oh, do you know... I've the end of that one is unfortunately missing. Sorry about that. Um, so 66, 13, 68, still about 10 minutes or so if you want to have a quick chat on air. If you want to resend that message, uh, hopefully I'll be able to read it. Um, let's think about the plans for a major village-style development on West Moreland Road again. We talked about this a little bit on Friday when those plans were unveiled. While redeveloping the site and creating new housing has been welcomed by some, there are concerns about the impact on traffic in the area. We're going to hear from Anne Corlett, who's one of the MHKs in just a moment. But first, Councillor Stephen Pitts. What I've heard so far is good news for the area. I'm, I'm all in favour of um, housing in, in town, in the town centre, rather than on the outskirts, and particularly a brownfield site getting redeveloped. It's uh, welcome news for Douglas. The only thing that concerns me and probably a lot of the residents will be the parking. Parking in this area is very, very poor. At the moment, especially the school we're at, standing, 
Um, as you can see around here, there's cars and vans parked on WR lines on the corners, and that's without any further development before the old Jane Crickle and uh, nurses home comes into being, which I think is going to make it even more hard to park. Overall, I think the plans are good. We've got a nurse's home here that, you know, we're going to keep the facade of, actually enhance the facade of, which I think most people will be really welcoming of because we wouldn't like to see it go and something else replace it. Um, the the Westmoreland Village part behind, I think, you know, we're desperately needing housing and accommodation. So right in the middle of town, absolutely on a bus route. I think I've, I'm, I've got positive. Mm view of the of it overall my one huge negative is the parking issue parking issues raised a couple of times there any thoughts on that back to the text the ben and the new boat both carry freight that's text to ending two two three and um, this is an interesting one from dave in onken why is everyone complaining about the cost of bringing bands to the isle of man they are in show business why should the bands be able to charge what they want but anyone providing services such as transport not be able to make money bands already have it made with at least 50 years of royalties on recordings and they make money out of merchandise i don't see why why I, as a taxpayer, says Dave, should subsidise their business. If the packet's charging £3,000 for a truck, then it's only £3 on each ticket at the villa. Get a grip. Jeff says, never mind giving bands cheaper travel. What about Joe Public cheaper travel? And Anne has been in touch agreeing with Sue about assisted dying and says, I believe there will be an expectation for the elderly to accept assisted dying. It will become the norm. And who has heard of the law of unintended consequences? 66 13 68 uh, still a couple of minutes if you'd like to chat on air about anything you've heard this lunchtime 166-177 if you want to text or you can email studio at manxradio.com we've also got whatsapp as well 07624-166-177 just add us to your contacts and it makes it really easy to keep in touch now, did you hear this on breakfast this morning? People on the Isle of Man being urged to report suspicious emails in a bid to stop scam artists defrauding businesses and individuals out of thousands of pounds. The UK's National Cyber Security Centre says even with the Ukraine war raging, ransomware attacks remain the single biggest global cyber threat. Mike Haywood is a director of the Office of Cybersecurity and Information Assurance, which is tasked with keeping the island safe from cybercrime. We've had over 10,000 reports. Um, we're trying to build awareness of the service to encourage people to be able to send anything that they think is suspicious in there. Once they're in there, we can potentially then bring down the service and stop people receiving further suspicious emails. So the more that's reported, the more that we can hopefully detect and deter people from sending them. And it also builds a picture of the nature of things that we're receiving. What do you think is the biggest threat to the island from a cybersecurity perspective? I'd say that ransomware is also, from a business perspective, uh, the most likely thing that could cause the biggest amount of damage. Um, that's why the UK National Cybersecurity Centre or the NCSC highlight that. Um, we can see trends worldwide where ransomware um, is disrupting business and causing uh, disruption to the services that they provide and there are a number of examples um, with with uh, large and small organizations being uh, finding their data has been stolen and they're being held to ransom um, and they they need to pay the ransom or uh, they need to have some strategy in place to deal with that and are there ways to be able to remove a ransomware attack 
Um, there are. I mean, if, if, for instance, somebody was to report that to us here locally, um, we'd be able to give them some initial advice with regards to how to maybe stop the spread or, or, or um, contain what was going on. And then there are specialist companies here on the island that we could potentially put you in touch with who could then help you fix the problem and get your business back up and running again. That's Mike Haywood, the Director of the Office of Cybersecurity and Information Assurance, and they're tasked with keeping the Isle of Man safe from cybercrime. It's a real worry, isn't it? I mean, you see some of these scams now, and they are incredibly realistic. I think it's fair to say that a lot of us could fall foul of uh, clicking on something that we shouldn't do because something looks so genuine, um, and there are lots of forms that this takes. So any thoughts on that, particularly if perhaps you have fallen foul of uh, one of these cyber attacks. Now, this was uh, mentioned in a message a few minutes ago. The issues with cleanliness and hygiene at GP surgeries on the Isle of Man is going to be actioned as a priority. It's the pledge from government after external inspectors found issues at a number of practices, several of which pose potential infection risk. Paul Moore is the Executive Director of Nursing for Manx Care and says the findings of the Care Quality Commission are going to be taken seriously. What was picked up here is that in a particular practice, there is a need to have elbow taps rather than taps that you put your hand around. And elbow taps are much better for infection prevention because you don't use your hands, obviously, you just wash them. And in one particular sink, there, was the, uh, there wasn't elbow, elbow taps in place. That's something that needs to be addressed. In another practice, there was a carpet in a clinical area, and it's generally frowned upon to have a carpet in a clinical area because um, it's difficult to decontaminate. And in another practice, there was an issue around the cleaning schedule which is the list of you know, how, how the cleaning is done. Um, it wasn't in the place that the inspectors expected to find it. And as a consequence of that, they've raised it as an escalation. So I can reassure your listeners that uh, in terms of infection prevention, it's taken very seriously across all general practices. Some of the practice said they uh, the reason for their hygiene and cleanliness not being up to scratch is because the buildings are in a poor state to repair. It's up to their landlords um, to address those challenges and their landlords, in many cases, is the government. Do you think the government should be taking a more proactive approach to ensuring that all of the facilities are up to scratch? I think the government do take a proactive approach to making sure the facilities are uh, to the standard. They obviously work within a financially constrained environment and therefore it's not it's not always easy or possible to um, upgrade the premises in the timescales that people would like. But what I can say is that the Department of Health, who are the, the main landlord for many of these premises, um, and Manx Care uh, are working very closely together to prioritise the improvements that need to be made uh, to make the premises fit and suitable where that is needed uh, and right for people who use them and uh, expect in the future for that plan to be developed and so we could be able to provide details in due course. Are you confident in one year's time you'll have improved from what the CQC has already published? Yeah, I'm very confident we will have made substantial improvements against these uh, recommendations by the time the CQC come back. That's Paul Moore from Manx Care talking to Christian Jones. A reminder, you can find all the reports for the 13 GP surgeries at manxradio.com. Let's quickly go to the lines now and join Frank. Hi, Frank. Hi. It's nice to talk to you. Uh, I've been on this before, and I'm sorry to bring it up again. I'm a registered disabled person, and I'm quite old now, and I can't walk. Uh, I can only walk with a, a... I have a walker that helps me to walk. Okay. Now, I've spoke to the minister about this, and he agrees with me. 
that the parking for disabled people in Ramsey, whoever has done this, the man is an idiot. And they're paid such a, a huge amount, horrendous amount of money, these people in government. All the disabled parking spaces in Parliament Street in Ramsey, or they've just put two new ones up at St. Paul's Hall. You can only park for an hour. So if, if you... I move my... If Sorry. you park on a disabled parking space, you can only park for an hour. Can I just check, Frank, if you've got a disabled badge, I... I, and I, again, I stand to be corrected, but I thought that entitled you to a little more time. So did I, but no, it doesn't. They're, they're marked up, all the parking spaces, disabled places, except one, are all marked up, but only for one hour. And I got fined a, a, a month ago because I was 10 minutes over the time. I didn't realise it was only one hour. Because if I park anywhere else in a normal place... I get two hours. So I've only got to move my car six inches and I get two hours. But on a disabled place, I only get an hour. So, Frank, now, did, is that stupid or what? Did you get in touch and, and question the fine that you were given or did you just accept and pay it? I just paid it because I, I didn't want to go through all the paraphernalia. I just paid it. Okay. But that's not the end of the story. Now... Conrods, which is now closing the cafe in Parliament Street, opposite Conrods, right opposite their front door, is a parking space for disabled people. And on the other corner, there's another one. But the one opposite Conrods, you can park 24 hours. But on the other one on the other corner, you can only park an hour. Wow. Okay. I just don't understand the mentality of people that have done this. They're not even in the right places. Like they've just put two new parking spaces, disabled parking spaces, opposite St. Paul's Hall. Now, what do they think disabled means? It, the majority of disabled people have got a major problem. Either most of them can't walk properly or are very slow. Some have wheelchairs, and it takes them up 10, 15 minutes to get out of the car and get the apparatus to walk with. But you can only park for one hour, and I don't understand that mentality. Because if I go and park in a normal space, where you can park, anybody can park, I get two hours. But I'm also, I'm taking up a space now of the rest of the public. And they can't go and park on a disabled space. But I can park anywhere and I get two hours. But then if I go on a disabled one, I only get an hour. Do you know, yeah, so I can silly. Yeah, I can see I can see what you're saying there, Frank. So really let me look into this issue. Um I think that's raised several Several points there. Really appreciate you getting in touch. Um, I'm sorry to hear you were fined as well, because it's never nice going back to that, is it? No, but it's, you know, this isn't the first time I've complained about this. And I spoke to the government about it, and they agree with me. It's silly, but nothing's been done about it. Because I'm, to, I'm putting a message out now to all disabled people, you're wasting your time parking on a disabled space. Just park anywhere. Okay. Two hours. 
Frank, thank you so much indeed for getting in touch with us. As I say, I will look into that issue because it does raise uh, several points. Uh, Just approaching the end of the programme, but Ian has been in touch regarding the suggested development in Douglas, which doesn't allow for parking. Do the people behind these ideas have any thought about the implications? Just because people may live and work in Douglas, says Ian, why should they be deprived of their ability to travel and see relatives living out of town or not have the opportunity to travel to beaches, etc., in other parts of the island. It seems to be poor judgment in my opinion, says Ian. And just one text saying, I receive scam emails, some purporting to come from Manxnet. It's easy and quick to forward them on. Uh, best wishes from Malcolm. So that's about reporting any messages that you get, which may be suspicious in any way. Thank you so, so much for your company and your contributions this afternoon. Very much appreciated. Thanks also to Chris Quirk for producing today's programme. I'll be back at midday tomorrow. As ever, though, if you think of anything outside of that time, do get in touch with us. 682631, that's the answer phone message. You can leave a message and uh, we hopefully will play it out on the show. Coming up next, Christy D with 123. Whatever you're doing for the afternoon, have a good one and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you.